Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? I mean, that is one way to do it. Is it the best way to do it? I don't know. So sorry know. for those who dated us a long time ago. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Apologies. Yes. We would Apologies. do it better now. Yes. Thank you. We learned from you. Um, yes. I now have a career because of you. <laughs> <laughs> we have a podcast and careers because yes. of those films. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the Curious Fox podcast for those challenging the status quo in love sex and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And today we're talking about conscious uncoupling, popularized by Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin and coined by relationship expert and author Catherine Woodward Thomas in her book, Conscious Uncoupling, Five Steps to Living Happily Even After. The expression has become synonymous with transition versus breakup. So, Nature has designed us to bond. We are a pair bonding species. And as we bond and often attach, when the time comes to break up, we can feel like the end of the world is coming. Mm -hmm. That our survival mode kicks in. Mm -hmm. We experience attachment raptures where we think we are literally going to die Mm -hmm. if our partner leaves. What was it called? Attachment rapture? Attachment rapture. Yeah. Wow. And yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. The I'm on the floor crying and sobbing because I'm going to die after this breakup. Yes. Yes. It mm-hmm. actually has roots in childhood experiences where we would literally die if our caregivers left mm-hmm. us, right? It, it, it is anchored in a very, very real feeling of if mm-hmm. my caregiver, who is the person who loves me, right, that's where mm-hmm. all this is rooted, leaves as a yeah. child. I can't take care of myself. Just the human Mm. infant takes forever to actually be able to take care of itself. That we know inherently that we will die. There is a Mm. high, high chance that we're going to die. So when that is triggered, that attachment stuff is triggered as an adult, we go back, we regress back to that time Mm. and think we are literally going to die. So Mm -hmm. attachment raptures are very, very real. And they do Mm -hmm. feel, from a nervous system point of view, they really do feel like we're going to die. Yeah. I can picture 21-year-old me going <laughs> 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 through attachment rapture and believing I was going to die because that relationship ended. Yes. Yeah. I know. It's, it's hard. And I think there's a lot of things that you can do to soothe that. And really, it's worth the work, especially mm-hmm. if you are prone to experiencing that even when there is no rejection or people leaving Mm, right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know i've worked with people who experience that when their partner is just going out the door to get groceries right Mm, they the fact that they mm -hmm. are leaving their sight they have a a burst of this like (gasps) i'm going to die Mm. so it is very real yeah so on the one hand we have that we have the breakup that is going to cause my death mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on the other hand now way on the other side of the spectrum we have conscious accompli 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. And the conscious uncoupling, the goal of conscious uncoupling is to end the relationship with honor, dignity, and mutual understanding and respect. Mm-hmm. That is the ideal scenario, right? You honor what, is that, what has happened and you learn from it and you're kind and generous with one another and you go off in your own paths. That mm-hmm. is the goal of conscious uncoupling. Yeah, that sounds a lot better than what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I think my last major, not conscious uncoupling, but breakup, I left the entire continent. That was my... (laughs) That is such an Effie Blue thing. (laughs) You're like, I'm out, like out, out. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm going to leave the entire continent to you. I'm going to just hop over the ocean and start anew. (laughs) That is an old, that is an old me. That was not conscious uncoupling people. I don't recommend it to anyone. That's one way to do it. Or another way to do it (laughs) is that you get really clear, you get really centered, right? Mm -hmm. You figure out why is it that you want to break up you anchor mm-hmm. it all in your own needs and and what you want to do rather than how it will impact your partner rather than mm-hmm. making things either difficult for them and easy for them or mm-hmm. to feel righteous or yeah. to cause much damage <laughs> right going to that place rather than get like clear about okay like this isn't working for me and here are the reasons why it isn't for, working for me and it's yeah. about my needs yeah, no, let's go back to, to me not doing it well. <laughs> let's go back to that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. If, if afterwards to focus on what do I need right now for my healing? What do I need to move forward? As opposed to what I was doing was like revenge fantasies, essentially, yeah. right? Which is everything from saying the perfectly crafted blow like saying the phrase that just like mm-hmm. whoosh, like goes inside like a dagger mm-hmm. or like randomly bumping into them in the street. And I look great. I look fantastic. <laughs> and I'm laughing. There's a drink in my hand. I'm like, it's a beautiful day. I look gorgeous, right? That mm-hmm. or our friends and family like praising me behind the scenes because I've taken the moral high ground mm-hmm. in, <laughs> in this breakup, yeah. right? So that, that was probably more the spectrum of where I was, my yes. head was versus thinking about my needs and moving forward. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. And do you see how like those are all about other people, right? Not yeah. even though you're like center stage, but it is mm-hmm. about how you're going to be received by others mm-hmm. or the impact that you're having on others. So I mean, that is one way to do it. Is it the best yeah. way to do it? I don't know. <laughs> so don't sorry know. for those who dated us a long time ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Apologies. Yes. We Apologies. Better now. <laughs> yes. Thank you. We learned from you. Um, yes. I now have a career because of you. <laughs> <laughs> we have a podcast and careers because yes. of those fields. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, conscious uncoupling, I think for a while, the phrase conscious uncoupling was a bit of a joke, right? Because it was popularized mm. by Gwyneth and Chris and people made fun of it for a while. But, you know, the idea has been around way before they they popularized it. Catherine Woodward Thomas wrote a book Uh, where she invites you to follow her five steps to consciously uncouple. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the book is okay. I read it a while ago. It's okay. It's a little normative for Mm. me and and the people that I work with. But like with any of these books, I... It's a good resource. I really recommend people who are going through it or considering it to read it and then just read it 
be Bruce Lee, take what serves and leave what doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think she does do a good job of kind of providing a, a roadmap that you can follow. Mm-hmm. I think it feels simplified. Like what she's recommending that you do is actually big, big steps. I think it felt to me that it was a little like, oh, just do this, you know. <laughs> just reevaluate your childhood and all of your past patterns. <laughs> right, exactly. You know. <laughs> just speak honestly with each other so that you can heal in growth. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but, you know, transitions, breakups, constant mm-hmm. couplings, they are inherently messy. So, yeah. but I would say read the book. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. Yeah. I think, you know, in my research around it, because you and I both work with with folks and, and do some coaching, and, and I think we both have had folks that are, are going through this process. Mm-hmm. And I think the things that I've taken away specifically are from the value of this process mm-hmm. is that it can help the, the couple who is uncoupling realize that the conflict that they're experiencing in their relationship now mm-hmm. is probably based on unhealed hurts from their past. Absolutely. And so instead of blaming Blaming their partner for all the things that went wrong. It's an opportunity for reflection. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to be a student mm-hmm. and to learn from your partner, to learn from the experience so that you don't repeat those patterns moving mm-hmm. forward. Absolutely. I think if you look back on your relationship and all you can come up with are the things that your partner have done wrong, right? If that's all, if you make a list and, and the list is all of the things that your partner has done wrong. And they, how they are the terrible person and you just cannot figure out, you know, your contribution towards this uncoupling. I would say consider the fact that you are the one who chose that partner and you are the one that mm. stayed in that relationship for as long as you did. And this is not to blame you. and This is not to say you've done anything wrong, but to realize that even if you couldn't think of a single thing that you've done wrong in the relationship, you do need to look at the fact that you chose to be in that relationship and you might want to evaluate and understand why you chose that partner and mm-hmm. why you stayed and absolutely learn from that so that you don't repeat the behavior. And Or, or maybe you want to repeat the behavior, right? But the chances are, if you are uncoupling right now, you don't want to be in this place again, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's important that if for nothing else, we need to understand our patterns, our thoughts, our beliefs around relationships, which then make us choose the partners that we do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which makes sense that within the the non-monogamy space, that there's, this has been a conversation for a while before there probably even there was a name of it, but just this idea of transitioning. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been around poly communities for a long time and non-monogamous folks for a long time for, for a couple of reasons. Some of them are very, very practical reasons, right? Most people are in small communities because non, non-monogamous communities have historically been small, close-knit communities, especially polyamorous communities. People have crossovers in terms of partners and all that kind of stuff. So it just makes more sense to uncouple consciously than slam doors and exit out of relationships. Also, people who are non-monogamous tend to have a a more of an understanding that relationships come in different shapes and sizes and Mm. can transition, right? They tend to have, they have an idea of transitioning from a relationship to another type of relationship because they're aware of all the different types of relationships that are available, right? Mm -hmm. So people can go from a long-term partnerships to platonic co-parents to 
friends with occasional benefits to occasional lovers to now long distance pen pals. Now, there seems to be more fluidity as you go through relationships. So people have been talking about relationship transitions and conscious uncoupling with the non-monogamous communities for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what made me think about it. When you were saying you need to to reflect, you need to think, you need to look back, you need to look forward. I'm like, oh, those are all things you have to do in a non-monogamous relationship in order for it to thrive is to be in that space. So I think that's part of it too, is just there is a practice and a built muscle around mm-hmm. reflection, communication, introspection, mm-hmm. growth. Yeah, um, ideally, right? Ideally, of course, just because you're non-monogamous doesn't mean you're, you know, you're doing all the things by the book. But that mm-hmm. is that is the ideal. And yes, if you're in a non-monogamous relationship and you're thriving in it, the chances are you have mastered some of those skills, communication, reflection, all those things that you just mentioned, that you've had plenty of practice and you've worked at it and you're mastered it, at least you're on the way to mastery. Mm-hmm. Which, which all of those skills really help when you're trying to consciously uncouple, <laughs> for sure. Let me note about mastery for a second, because I am often the person who people come to when there needs to be a difficult conversation, because mm-hmm. I can navigate through difficult conversations very well. And I hate difficult conversations. So I w- <laughs> just want to clarify, the reason I'm good at it is because I don't like it. And so I kept practicing and doing it over and over and over and over again. So the muscle knows how to do it. Inside, mm-hmm. I'm, st- I'm still like, no, I hate this so much. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Right. But like on the outside, I can be empathetic. I can be clear about goal. So, so just noting that, that I just want to say mastery doesn't mean that you like it, that it feels good. (laughs) It just means Um, that you practice and practice and practice to a point that you can do it easier (laughs) than you've done in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because you can, you can navigate a conflict doesn't mean you like conflict. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yes, 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 yes. Well worth mentioning that. Okay. So we kind of talked about what conscious uncoupling is. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, well, how do you do this amazing relationship maneuver? Yes, um, from, how do we do it? <laughs> from, you know, being together for X number of time, whatever that is, a significant relationship, and then gracefully uncoupling and, um, <laughs> you know, managing your, your feelings and, and sort of blossoming out of it. Yes. I was, I'm was. i laughing as you say that because I'm thinking, I don't know if this is true for you, but if you ever listen to like Adele's albums or some other like breakup songs and you're like singing it and belting it and you kind of want to break up with somebody just to like feel the thing and like authentically sing. I'm kind of, I'm in that space right now. I'm like, I want to consciously uncouple with someone now just to like go through the experience, but like not really, but kind yeah. of, but not really. That's where I'm, I'm at right now. And then listen yeah. to Adele songs. That's what I want to do. Exactly. Adele songs, or I think uh, at the time for me, it was Amy Winehouse. Mm. I was all up in (laughs) Amy Winehouse albums. (laughs) And, you know, that is some of the work that you do around uh, conscious uncoupling. You do need to do a lot of self-care and find whatever you need to, to Mm -hmm. feel good and feel supported. And if it means that you belt out some Adele songs in your car as you're you know, figuring this stuff out, do it. Mm-hmm. If that's what it takes, absolutely do it. Well, just like with most things, a good place to start when you're consciously uncoupling or going through the process or even considering the process is to start with thyself, mm-hmm. of course, 
that's what you have to start. And I think a really good, important piece, and sometimes that is the step that people struggle the most with, which then has a long tail of a bunch of issues and drama down the line, is that you really need to emotionally and mentally wrap your head around the fact that you are now uncoupling, Mm -hmm. right? You cannot have these conversations with yourself or with your partner or with your community, with your friends, in the hopes that there will be a reconciliation. That time has passed. It has to be towards closure, learning, and healing. And that is really important to get clear about. I feel I feel there's somebody listening to this right now that is like exhaling slowly (laughs) at that. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly because if there is a fondness and a level of respect and care for each other to want to go through this process. It can then be difficult to, you know, that some of the folks that, that I work with, one of the clients that I'm working with, every once in a while I'll say like, well, is it that bad? Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I know, you know, that there's a lot of things and maybe we shouldn't be together, but like, but we care about each other. We have a good time. Like, are the problems that bad? Yeah. And so I can see how if you're in that space to, to go through this process, that kind of affection for each other may sure. make it feel difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, there's a, I actually think there's a massive dichotomy. The better that you do the conscious uncoupling, the easier it's to lose sight of why you're doing it. Yes, exactly. So you really have to stay anchored in the fact that, oh, we're actually have And, and the, the truth is, the reason why you're able to do so well now is because a part of you has decided mm-hmm. that you are now uncoupling. And that mm-hmm. is the, the knot, the emotional knot that you're navigating. The reason why now the conversations might be easier, that you don't censor yourself as much, that there is suddenly more space and more generosity is because you're going through the conscious uncoupling process. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that held you down and the, the weight of the relationship and all the things, there's a part of you that has let that go. So now you're operating in the space of, well, okay, we don't have to worry about any of this. Like this is now over and we're coming to the end of it. We're tying the loose ends. Mm-hmm. And the better that you do it, the more like, why are we doing this again? And forget mm-hmm. the fact that it's going so well because you've done it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's my right? response to that. It's just, uh, <laughs> I think also what's sitting me with the, as, as you're saying that is because in order to do what you've described, it means that you have to really sit in your vulnerability, mm-hmm. in your honesty around your fear and your hurt and your wish and your longing. And it makes me think of the episode that we did. It was episode number 70. It was with Dr. Thomas Whitfield around emotionally focused couples therapy. And in that conversation, he was talking about how it is easier to default to anger because anger feels more empowering than hurt or sadness or fear. Mm. And so it's easier to, which is why in that conversation, we talk about arguments and conflict and how when we're angry about the dishes, it's not really about the dishes, Mm -hmm. but that place of like, it is easier likely in a breakup to be angry Mm-hmm. to have those revenge fantasies, to belt out Adele. Like it's easier to do that than to sit in the, I could have done something differently and now I'm learning from that. Or I realize now that that you and I see this thing differently. And even mm-hmm. though we love each other, it's not going to work. Like that is much harder, I think, to sit in than anger. 
Absolutely. Anger is a defense mechanism, right? In those situations, it's a fight response. It's easier to go into a fight response and be angry or like just leave everything and walk away. That is a flight response, right? None of those are regulated responses. I mean, they are reactions. They are mm-hmm. reactions to a attachment rapture. They are reactions mm-hmm. to the world is ending. They're reaction to actual deep hurt and fear. Mm-hmm. They're not where you become curious about what what's going on in a kind of learn learner's mindset. They're not sort of where you see the nuance in differences and mm-hmm. find patience and empathy. Like those things come from a regulated place. Like those right. things come from a place where you're like, I'm here and now, present, right. engage with the process. Right. It feels shitty and I'm sitting with that shittiness rather than yes. trying to get rid of it by being angry or running away yeah. or like freezing yeah. and saying yes to everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly I, as you're saying that when I've been in that angry place, there is no being fully present in the moment, right? So of I can course. think about times when I was like screaming at my partner in the middle of the street or like on the phone or like, and and in any other, mo- if I saw that, Right. Someone else doing that would be like, oh, no, like, no, you should not do that here in the middle of the street. Like, oh, you know, but there I am now in the middle of the street, like screaming and shouting because I lose all sense of where I am and who's around and what's going on. Right. I was like so, so situated in that feeling of anger. So just, again, wanting to acknowledge, I think that you're absolutely right. I think that the better path, if you will, is to sit with yourself first, like you Mm -hmm. said, around why am I hurting? What do I need? and really fight the urge to lean into that anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to make room for that, right? We need Mm -hmm. to make room for anger and we need to make room for the sadness and we need to make room for loss and grief, Mm. right? There needs to be room for all of that. I agree. They just can't be the drivers of our behavior, right? Mm. The idea is not to suppress that or wish it Mm -hmm. wasn't happening. I think as much as you can, make space, make room, be generous with yourself, feel all those feelings and let them come through you and go back to a regulated place and and let your behaviors come from a a responsive place, a present place, a regulated Mm -hmm. place, not Mm. those other feelings. Yeah, I love that. I think that's right. The other piece, I think, going back with, you know, starting with yourself and starting from that place, just like with anything else, at the beginning of this process, I would say even, you know, pre-starting the process, as you wrap your head around and your head and your heart around the fact that it, this relationship is coming to an end and it needs to transition into something and you want to do it gracefully with dignity and honor and respect, you also need support around that, right? And it's important mm-hmm. that you gather that support that is friends and family and community and professionals if, you, if it's available to you. Mm -hmm. community matters right it doesn't have to be just you know non-monogamous community if it's if it's right for you your church community it's your Mm -hmm. book club like whoever it is you need to gather those people around you so that the part of your nervous system that thinks that if this relationship ends that you know you won't exist anymore that somehow you're going Mm -hmm. to die and you're not going to be okay you're not going to be safe you know, the world is going to collapse around you. You can turn towards those people to help you soothe that part of you that is having that experience. And it is super, super important to have that support around you. 
Right. Because it's, it's about feeling like you no longer belong or are cared for. And so if you can have reminders of that via other people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And also because it is a, a triggering experience, even if you do it at the most conscious, most grounded way, it is a triggering experience. Exiting out of a significant relationship is just hard. Even you do it the most smooth kind of way, there is grief. Any change, and you know this most, mm-hmm. change just it comes with grief. Even if mm-hmm. it's changed towards good, and I'm mm-hmm. throwing air quotes at that, there is still grief of what was, right? There Absolutely. is loss. So it is going to be hard. It is going to be hard. It is going to be triggering. And in that state, it is really easy for us to be myopic, to just see the uncoupling, to just see what's ending and not see beyond that, Mm. to see what's, you know, what's beyond that. There is life beyond that. There is, there's hope beyond that. We just become, we can just become super myopic and get really, submerged into that experience and can't even imagine anything beyond that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm currently working with a client who wants to go through the conscious uncoupling process. And I've been approaching that work from the concept of of three acts, right? So like in a story or play or movie, there are three acts. There's the setup, there's the conflict, there's the resolution. In kink, there are three acts. There's the Mm -hmm. prep, there's the scene, there's the aftercare. And so essentially that those are the two pieces that we've been working on is the prep and the aftercare, knowing that both having a clear sense of How can we prepare ourselves, our words, our emotions, our intentions for that conversation? And then afterwards, how are we going to care for ourselves? Mm -hmm. What kind of community do we need around us to your point? What kind of food (laughs) do we need Mm -hmm. around us? When we have not dealt with breakups well, what can we learn from that? When we are in a good place and we feel healed and comforted, how can we incorporate that? And so that's some of the work that we've been doing together is that prep piece and that aftercare piece. And exactly as you're describing, what else can you be drawn to and pull to what other types of relationships, of creative aspects, of of things that align with your passion? What else can you do to bring back some of your aliveness mm-hmm. so that you don't get stuck in this place of, mm-hmm. of sadness, of disappointment? And yeah. It's so easy to do. It's so easy because it's so big in that moment. It's so hard to see beyond it. So, and honestly, if it is available to you, working through this with a professional, a coach, Mm -hmm. a counselor, a a therapist, a psychologist, it just helps to have someone that is somewhat unbiased, who can hold space, that isn't going to tell you what you need to hear, but also not going to blame you, but to hold space for you and make, you know, make room for your feelings and your thoughts and your stories makes a huge difference. If it is available to you, as well as an organic support network that is essential to have a professional support around you as well can make it a tad easier. Yeah. And you mentioned, I know in the episode, episode 99 that we did with Amber D'Amato about celebrating relationships and breakups and queer weddings, you talked about officiating a uncoupling ceremony. And so, so I know you talked about it, but can you talk about that again? Because it's making me think beyond having some, having support in the preparation and in the aftercare, you were present to support in the conversation, in the middle piece. Yes, 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 yes. My first polyamorous relationship with beautiful, beautiful people that really gave me a taste of it in such a way that 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 sort of really made me like just convinced me that was the right thing for me. 
unfortunately came a time where um, the two people that I was dating, I was dating one of them and they were dating somebody else. And that person was my first metamor ever. And I talk about her regularly. She has a wonderful, wonderful spirit. And had, to me has set some incredibly high standards for a metamor relationship. When they wanted to uncouple, they wanted some support. And they felt like I was in the best position to do that because I was doing what I was doing. And um, I knew them really well. And I had been in the relationship as well. So the way that they uncoupled was very much and I'm saying this in jest, on brand with oh, the relationship they've had. And they wanted to, they wanted to celebrate. They wanted to have the community around them. They wanted to be honest and full-hearted and, mm. you know, loving towards each other. And they just knew that that relationship was no longer serving them as it stands in that moment. And they wanted to transition. So we had beautiful, long conversations where they said all the things that they wanted to say to each other. The intention of that conversation was not to litigate, right? It wasn't to say, well, you said this, I said this. It was, it, the intention was set to say, here are all the things that I want to say to you. Will you receive them and vice versa? And here are some of the questions that I have that I want to answer. Then I want to hear the answers and not have anything back to say. That is to, to litigate, to mm. disparage or anything like that. And I was a part of that, that setup. Wow. And it was, it was beautiful. And so that conversation took place in front of the community? No. Okay. They they wanted to have the conversation in private. So the three okay. of us sat down. That makes more sense. I was like, wow, it, everybody was listening yeah, to no, this. That was a lot. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Okay, so there was two parts to this. One was the actual conversation they had, and that was in private. We got cozy on a, on a mega bed, uh, true, true story, and in our onesies and it was comfy and we had this long conversation and mm. my job is to just to make sure they stayed with their intentions because it's so mm. easy to get triggered yeah, and like take, take unnecessary deep dives at that point yeah. in the relationship. So my contribution to that was to just keep people on track, keep them on their intention, keep it respectful and, and loving and, and full of dignity. And we did that and everybody felt closure and we hugged it out and it was, you know, beautiful and light. And then mm -hmm. the second part of that is they wanted to throw a conscious uncoupling party and they mm -hmm. wanted to invite mm -hmm. all the friends, all the community and announce the fact that they were now uncoupling. Wow. And it was a joyous, full of fun experience where people came and, you know, we all spoke a little bit. They explained why they're uncoupling and they thanked each other and they told each other that they loved each other and they also addressed the community. They said, you know, this is why it's happening. They said how they want to be supported. You know, it was it was important to them that the, the close community that we were in wasn't disrupted by this. Mm -hmm. They said, we still love each other and, you know, we might need to take space from one another, but we will manage that. Please don't feel like you can't invite both of us to things. You don't need to take sides. Mm. You don't need to cater for our uncoupling. We will ask for help and we might choose not to come to things because we need to take space, but it's not your responsibility. And at the same time, mm. we might come to you and we might be crying and upset. And, um, you know, we might, even though we might in that moment speak poorly, poorly of the other person, that's not like in our wise minds, that's not what we want. So mm. like, please hold space, but don't feel like you need to take sides and you need to bad mouth the other person or anything like that. So it was a really, it was like really wise and 
honest yeah. conversation. And then we had a massive party <laughs> afterwards, you know? Yeah. That was, that was one of the best ways I've, I've seen it done. That's amazing. Particularly the piece around having conversations with friends and family around how to support you, but also how to interact. We have all been in that situation, mm-hmm. either that we've been on the side of you know, I, I've been really close to the families of my partners. Mm-hmm. And when we have broken up, that's it. Those relationships are now severed, mm-hmm. or at least for me, the, they were. And same with with partners in my family. And that felt really strange, I think, to mm-hmm. everybody. Or being on the side of you are friends with a couple and they break up and now mm-hmm. you lose one of those friends and you don't speak right. to them anymore. And that's really challenging. And so I love that they that they did not make people choose sides. And I love that they help them see how to move past the awkwardness and say, Mm -hmm. this is actually what we need from you. And this is how, how we're going to show up. That was, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, it was definitely exemplary. Also, I think when we talk about conscious uncoupling, it's often set with mononormativity in mind, right? So we think Mm -hmm. about conscious uncoupling, meaning Mm -hmm. it's couples based and this couple is uncoupling and the the couplehood is dissolving, right? This also happens in non-monogamous communities. It also happens in polyamorous structures and polycules, right? Yeah, that's fair. You then have to think about all the other metamors, like people, other Mm -hmm. people that you're in a relationship with, and maybe they're in a relationship with each other, right? So if you're listening to this, like, Mm-hmm. And you're going through an uncoupling or a relationship transition in, an, in a non-monogamous structure. This piece is also relevant for you. You might need to have conversations with your partners, with your metamors, and let them know what's going on and also agree on what it means for them or let them tell you what it means for them as well. Yeah, we, can, we should do a whole other episode also on supporting a partner through their breakup or uncoupling Mm -hmm. with someone else because that is a very interesting process at least for me that was a very interesting experience to be supportive watch their watch her pain Mm -hmm. and be there for that and and yeah and figure out now this metamor that i grew a relationship with now Mm -hmm. now what happens and what does that look like i think that's really fair yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and same with um kids right i mean Mm -hmm. if you're a couple if you're a co-parenting couple and you uncouple the fact that you need to manage childcare is a no-brainer right you've done this you've you've divorced Mm -hmm. from your husband you have a beautiful daughter together so you will never be able to like sever contact Mm -hmm. properly because you have to manage your little one together i think sometimes that's a no-brainer however if you're not a co-parent but you are in a relationship with somebody and they have kids and pets mm-hmm. and everything else, like it gets messy and you need to kind yeah. of think about all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. As a part of this like uncoupling situation. My wife and I have talked about that. I mean, there's, we're not in a place where we're thinking about uncoupling, but we have talked about and have acknowledged with each other that if there ever becomes a time when we feel like our relationship structure should shift in order for us to thrive as individuals, that we're open to that. And we've talked about, well, what does that mean for my daughter? And mm-hmm. would they still spend time with each other? And, mm-hmm. you know, what would that look like? And and her fa- my wife's family, who's now become my daughter's family, what is that? How does that work out? So we've had some conversations about it. And it is, it's, it's hard and it feels good to have those conversations in a secure space mm-hmm. as opposed to having those conversations, you know, in a place of hurt. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And I think the approach that will make that possible is to to move into a generous and generative place as you are mm. as you are navigating this, right? So 
you know, essentially depersonalizing the experience and recognizing that your value system and your partner's value system don't align. Hmm. It's recognizing that it's not about the individuals. It's not that you're a bad person. It's not that I'm a bad person. It is that the things that I need, the things that I value that will nurture and support my thriving state and my partners don't align, right? Mm. So that is a generous position to take. Yeah. So yes, I'm, I'm sitting with it now because I don't know if I've ever thought about it that way, that as opposed to thinking about all the ways in which they have wronged me (laughs) and Mm -hmm. all the poor choices that they have made or are making. Mm -hmm. What I hear you saying is think about it from a place of these are, are the things that they seem to value right Mm -hmm. now. They seem to value whatever X, Y, Z. And I don't value those things. Mm -hmm. I value these other things or I value Mm -hmm. those things in a different order. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to looking down at behavior trying to look at it from a place of, oh, we now value different things Mm -hmm. and we need to align our lives around those values. And that may mean then not together. Exactly. Exactly. That you might find that those values either clash or for some reason can't coexist. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And to to, to depersonalize the experience, I think is important. And that is, you know, going back to becoming generous and like taking a generous position saying, okay, this person is a person, they're neither bad nor good. They have a value system, don't align with my value system and my needs. Mm-hmm. And what can we create from that place, right? Yeah. That is a generative place. Like given those things, now we accept those things. I'm not fighting you with my value system. I'm, you know, I'm not, trying to adapt to your value system, we've agreed that we're now going to go our separate ways. What can this relationship look like going forward? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is really important. <sighs> Man, this, this is like some ninja level like stuff <sighs> here. Like you really, <laughs> for all of you out there who have done that, incredible first please write us and tell us about the experience the good the bad the ugly so we can Mm -hmm. learn learn from that but it it does help me reflect on thinking about the divorce with my with my ex-husband and we went out to dinner the other day while my daughter was in gymnastics to catch up on you know all the thing after school and summer camp and (laughs) doctor's appointments and all the things and there were moments in the conversation where i thought oh yeah i can see why we were together Mm-hmm. And then there were other moments where I was like, oh, yeah, no, I can see why we're not together anymore. <laughs> and it's, it's almost a decade now since, mm-hmm. since we've been together. But there's still things that feel unresolved, questions mm-hmm. that have been unanswered, stories that are in my head. Mm-hmm. I imagine the same for him. And I, I don't know if we're ever going to have an opportunity to have those conversations maybe in time. But I do mm-hmm. look back and wish that I would have had the skill sets and mm-hmm. the emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and the partnership in it, you know, having had him engaged in this, because this would have been a much more beautiful way of honoring all that we had in our marriage than some of the really more ugly conversations mm-hmm. than we ended up having. And so I feel thrilled that we're friends now. We live within walking distance from each other and things are good, but there was a few years there that were really hard. Mm, And, you know, if I could go back, I would do it differently. And I've been thoughtful about how could I take these lessons and how, Mm. how may, may we be able to have a conversation like this in the future? I mean, that makes sense, right? I think the important thing to note here though, or I, I should say the important thing not to miss here is 
where you are right now, not only of the skill sets and the knowledge base that you have, but also you are in a safe, secure, grounded place with your other relationships. I think Mm -hmm. it is extra hard if you're a monogamous person and you've just uncoupled from a significant relationship and you're sort of wobbly, Right. And you, if you don't have a good support network that really anchor you, making making you feel safe and secure and grounded, I think mm-hmm. it's even if you have all the skills in the world and all the knowledge, it is hard to navigate this stuff. And I think that's why, you know, step one of conscious uncoupling is get clear that this is happening, like accept mm-hmm. the fact that this is happening and then reach out for a support network and really anchor yourself mentally emotionally and in your nervous system like neurologically Mm. that it is going to be okay and that you are safe Mm -hmm. i think that is at the core of it i think that's really what matters and i think where you are now you have two beautiful relationships and that Mm -hmm. serve you in different ways and you're grounded in your purpose and your work and all those things which on some level is grounding you and making you feel safe so Mm -hmm. you can kind of say well i would you know i wish i had these conversations and i think where you are now is probably very different than where you were Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. And all fair. I think I'm in a place now where I really would want to listen and learn. And I think at that Mm -hmm. point I was, I was not in that space. And frankly, I don't know if he really would have engaged in this process. And, and that's a question that I've gotten from folks is what if you're the person that you're with does not want to go through conscious uncoupling, right? Like do both people need to be bought in, in order for this process to happen? I mean, that's the ideal, beautiful version, right? Yeah. But not really, right? Because ultimately, even when it is the two people doing it, they're doing it for themselves. Mm. So if the other person isn't participating, that's really on them. I think you can do, you can still do your piece, right? Mm -hmm. You can get clear and get grounded and call upon your, your support network and listen and you know, learn and mm-hmm. examine and, and look for insight and mm-hmm. focus on growth and healing. You still go yeah. through all those steps, you know, and you do it for yourself and you do it for yourself with or without your partner mm-hmm. or I should say ex-partner. Yeah. So whether you decide to formally go through conscious uncoupling process or you take elements of this concept and you allow that to guide your intentions and actions and reflections as a couple or individually, Just know that there can be a different kind of ending apart from slamming doors and never speaking to each other again. There's an opportunity for immense insight and growth and healing as you transition out of your significant relationship. If you want to continue this conversation with us, then the best way to do that is via our Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook at We Are Curious Foxes. You can also join us on Instagram where we are going to give previews of what is coming up in the next episodes. We're going to do some Q&A and some polls and other ways of connecting with you all via Instagram. So find us on Facebook and Instagram, both at We Are Curious Foxes. If you want some behind the scenes from this and other episodes, then you've got to go on to Patreon. That is where we do bonus episodes. We do, you know, Effie Jackie after hours, if you will, where we sometimes get uh, a little more honest even that we do on the podcast because it's a smaller audience. And so you can go on there. You can find access to all of our past workshops all on Patreon at We Are Curious Boxes. 
If you have enjoyed this conversation and want more of it, then please like or follow us in whatever podcast platform you're using right now. Please be sure to give us a rating, leave a comment, share it, all of the things that will allow us to continue to change the noise and challenge the status quo and love sex and relationships. And then, of course, we want to hear from you, not only in your comments on Instagram and Facebook and via the podcast apps, but you can reach out to us directly by sending us an email or a voice message at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. Or you can record a question for the show by calling us at 201-870-0063. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, with whom we have no intention of uncoupling from. Our intro music is composed by Dev Saha. We are so grateful for their work. And we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. Rolling, we're rolling. Okay. All right. See, for the record, I'm (laughs) Scarlet. So if something happens, there's a ghost in the machine. There's a ghost in the machine. Okay. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, with whom we have no intention to... (sighs) This does annoy me when I speak. (laughs) This does annoy me. (sighs) This episode is produced and edited by... Ah! Okay. Curious Fox Podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.